podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Ibrox. Hello and welcome to your new weekly instalment of This is Ibrox, it's your Rangers podcast and my name is Scott Patterson. As always, you're very welcome. Joining us on this week's podcast, it's the return of Andrew Anderson and Patrick Caskey. They join me and special guest, freelance journalist Andrew Dixon, currently working for Sky Sports and also a regular contributor to the Rangers Match Day programme. Andrew, hello, how are you? Welcome back. Evening, yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to see you. So we should say this podcast is brought to you as always by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. You can call them right now on 01225531888 and you can speak to Craig Bryce. His email is craig.bryce at hhhmortgages.com. They're available on the World Wide Web. All the W's, hhhmortgages.com, similar address for Facebook if you speak to them. Be sure to mention us at This Is Ibrox and the guys in there will look after you very well indeed. We do have a giveaway with these guys just now. We've got a Champions Top to give away from last season. 55 Champions Top. Cracker. Really, really nice. All we have to do is follow ourselves on Twitter at This Is Ibrox. Theirselves, HHH Mortgages and uh, retweet and, and tag one of your chums in and you've got a chance of winning that 55 top. So we look forward to announcing the winner for that mid-September. That's when you need to get to your bits and pieces done by. So, big weekend for Rangers. Uh, lots and lots to speak about tonight. What we will do first, Andrew Dixon, I think we'll start with you. We will go back to the Europa League draw uh, for the groups. Rangers, of course, got through after a, a hot and sticky night in Alashkert, I think it's fair to say. Um, and the draw for the next round paired this with Leon, Sparta Prague, and Bronby. A kind draw, I would suggest. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think we've obviously got the benefit, and obviously we'll come on to it later on, but we've got the benefit of hindsight with having had the old firm game since then as well. Um, if you go back to the Alishkirk game, the most important thing is just getting through. And I know people were unhappy about the performance and thought it was very flat. Clearly, we didn't probably have a, a real feel for just how tough it was over there, you know, kind of temperatures in the, the mid-30s and only really dropped down to about 30 degrees by the end of the game as well, which um, it does make a bit of a difference. I mean, you know, we saw Alice Kerr to Ibrooks who did nothing really, you know, and um, and did well to come away with a 1-0 defeat uh, for all the Rangers were a bit uh, kind of leggy at times in that game as well. Uh, but, you know, when you then go over there and you get the, the six, seven-hour flight, I mean, I, I've never been to Armenia before, but I've flown to Georgia, which is similar sort of area. That was a six-hour flight. And, you know, it's, it's it does take its toll uh, on athletes. And, and obviously the, the club... Uh, took on the, the kind of same, um, they stuck to the same time zones as, as they were in, in the, the UK, I think, and the same kind of food eating patterns and stayed overnight after the game to, yeah. to make recovery was better and all that kind of stuff, which which clearly helped. Um, so, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, having then seen the old firm game on Sunday, you say, well, it's actually been a really good week overall if you go back to Ross County as well, which is a kind of 400-mile round trip up there and, you know, potentially slightly tricky too. So you come through the Alice Kirk game, you've, you've got a, a... And I think we don't really need to go over the, the game itself because it wasn't great. Um, fine. Um, Robbie McCrory, I would say, looked pretty composed in that game as well. Yeah. And they did the same again on Sunday, which was, was really good to see. But, but otherwise, there weren't too many talking points uh, away from the, the red card in the first half. The draw itself, uh, yeah, you know, Leon, uh, I mean, Leon are a decent team, of course they are. Uh, they've been in and out of the Champions League over the last few years as well. So they will clearly be like Benfica, where uh, last season, they'll be the the, the, the other team that, that, that Rangers will be expected to maybe share the top two with. Uh, and then the other two teams, you know, Bronby, um, I mean, Danish football, I don't think you can underestimate them. I, I, don't, I haven't seen very much at all of Bronby, but clearly we've seen Copenhagen do quite well um, in, in recent seasons. They won at Celtic not so long ago or against Celtic over the two legs, certainly. Um, and I'm sure Bronby being up at the top end of the table, we've seen Mitchelland as well who, um, yeah, Rangers beat them quite convincingly recently, but then Celtic struggled against them. So uh, th there is a certain standard in Danish football you would expect 
the teams in this kind of top three, four, five in Denmark are probably going to be similar sort of level to what you get in the top three, four, five in Scotland. So uh, quite a tricky one. Um, and then Sparta, yeah, I mean, we saw the games with Slavia last season. I, I think if Rangers had played Slavia at a different point last season, they'd probably have won the games. Uh, I think Rangers kind of ran out of steam a little bit, just didn't really turn up. Um the Kamara incident, which we, we spoke about the last time I was on the pod, yeah. uh, clearly that was at the end of the second leg, so it didn't really have any bearing on the result. But uh, Slavia deserved to win those games. They're the kind of slightly better team out of the two Prague sides. So, But Sparta, again, obviously have, have won 4-1 at home and away uh, to Celtic. And uh, clearly, I, I think one of the games, I, I mean, I don't know, the ins and outs in terms of who was first choice and second choice in their team. But I think one of the teams that played Celtic was sort of more of a reserve team almost. Yeah. And still they managed to get a 4-1 result. So, uh, you know, they were in the Champions League qualifiers too. Lost to Monaco, um, which there's no shame in that at all. They'll, they'll all be tough tests. I've got no doubt about that whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, I've got no doubt that that's a group Rangers should be looking to go through from. And of course, as well, if you, if you win the group, you're actually straight into the last 16 now with the yeah. new format of the competition too, uh, which, you know, that, that's a great incentive. Obviously, if you can get top two, great. And then if you finish second, you go through and play a Champions League dropout, which is a bit harder. So that really incentivizes first place a bit more. Can it be done? I don't see why Rangers shouldn't be looking to do that because so far this season they've not been great. And yet, actually, if you look at results overall, they've not been too bad. Take away the two Malmo games uh, and then the Dundee United result, which in any normal season can happen. It's been an okay start to the season, nothing more than that. But yeah. Rangers, I think, over the course of time will get better. And these games in the Europa League, I think they can, they can certainly thrive in. Patrick, you are our follower of all things European football I think it's fair to say um, we're, we're a huge champion of all the good work you do um, and I'm sure over the over the next couple of weeks as that uh, Europa League campaign gets underway we'll, we'll see a lot of interesting stats from you um, Leon are obviously the, the big hitters I, I think it's, it's, it's quite safe to say we've obviously got experience of playing them before I instantly remember the, the Benzema um, appearance at Ibrox uh, what feels like many many years ago he was excellent that night and they will be a tough nut to crack there's no two ways about that but I think Andrew Dixon's absolutely right I think it's a group we can look at and have a relevant uh, decent degree of confidence that we can we can certainly qualify for the group yeah I would corroborate all, all of what Andrew said um, interestingly obviously pretty high-profile move was Memphis Depay to Barcelona, who was far and above um, Leon's most influential player when it came to expected goals and expected assists. I think it's a drop-off between like 28 for him, which is the same as um, in the ballpark of what Morales and Tavernier got, and Moussa Dembele's is 19, which is more comparable to Barisic and Cedric Etten. So they're losing a massive chunk. Peter Bosch has come in, who we have experience with. He was the coach, I believe, when we played Leverkusen. Yeah, they haven't quite hit the... They, have, yeah, they haven't quite hit the ground running on ground running under him I think they've got one win two draws and a loss in Ligon I'd watch their game against Claremont Foot, who was just from a different league do, who are no doubt uh, a weaker team than Rangers and they drew 3-3 so it'll be interesting I think they have a really similar dynamic as Andrew mentioned to Benfica um, it's a team that you'd expect to see in and around the Champions League they have evident quality but it's not a team in which we have to fear for our lives at home it's a game in which you go away and you bite someone's hand off for a point but at home with all things on balance and a full Ibrox, I'm unsure what the situation with the away fans are. I'd back ourselves to at least get a point at home. Interesting with Bronby is if the departure uh, of Memphis Depay had a big impact on Leon, they've lost their two best players this summer. Jesper Lindstrom went to Frankfurt for 7.4 million. And then Lasse Wigner Christensen, who you might know from when he was at Fulham, also left to Belgium. So they've lost their two most influential men. They've retained their star striker, Mikel Ure, who's by far their best player still. And they have an interesting American center made. They'll be, I think, similar to the uh, dynamic we had against Mitterland uh, two years ago. I mean, obviously it's easy to make the connection with the nation, but I think that's a sort of tie which we should be aiming as a benchmark of four points from both legs. So a win at home, anything else but that is inexcusable. And I mean, when you go away, you take a point, but I really think we could be looking for um, a goal. And in Sparta, I watched their game against Ceska Budovica on Sunday after, um, or no, Saturday rather. They, they look good. Uh, they're obviously 
in a Scotch connection. They obviously took Celtic to town last season. I was particularly impressed with their right winger, Daniel Moberg Carlson. It was quite tricky and dynamic, but again, um, they finished miles off Slavia last season. Kind of a similar dynamic to what we had last year. Slavia went unbeaten, much like ourselves, and then Sparta were trailing by 15 to 20 points. But I think given the fact on a playing-wise size, it's pretty much the, the bet you could have asked for. You could have maybe asked for Dinamo Zagreb or Olympiakos at the one point. But also, there's no far journeys. They're all in Western Europe. They're all re- re- relatively temperate climates. We're not going to have to go to Moscow in November like we did two, two or three years ago when we played Spartak. So if you had given me this before the draw, I would have taken this 100%. Andrew Anderson, we spoke on the on the podcast last week and we, we basically asked if... I asked the guys if there was a, a preference to perhaps qualify for the group stages or get a good result in the old film game on Sunday. Um, we've got both, uh, and, and I think you can't underestimate getting into those group stages for the for the fourth year in the bounce. And, and from a financial perspective, it's great. Um, but as supporters, we look forward to another round of, of European football matches. That's it, exactly. Um, Scott, that's... All you want to do is have your name in the hat come Friday for the draw. Um, And when you're watching the draw, all you're hoping for is don't fling us to the far end of Russia in the middle of November or December. (laughs) Keep as local local as you possibly can within Europe. And we have, and we have, we've got what we asked for. And I totally agree with you. I think we spoke off off camera a minute ago there. It is a winnable group. It's a very winnable group. Um, As soon as it came out, I thought that is winnable, but then you start to doubt yourself. You think, is it? Am I being too cocky? <laughs> Such as the results we've had in the last couple of years, especially in the group stages. I don't think that is too cocky. I think that's very realistic. Certainly to qualify out of it, we should be looking to win it as well. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I tend to agree. So we, we look forward to that uh, first match against Leon, 16th September, Thursday night. So um should be something to look forward to indeed. Before we get on to the old firm game, of course, sandwiched in between... Um, the the Alishkert game and the draw and and the game at Ibrox yesterday, Andrew Dixon. We've had the the COVID issue that that has affected everyone all around the world, of course, from a footballing perspective. Um, it could have really snookered our plans for those two big games, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, what I was saying about the performance over there. Obviously, COVID was was a part of uh, what happened in, in Armenia as well. Um, you know, I mean. <sighs> Every club's been affected to to some uh, extent, and and up until now, Rangers really haven't had any issues at all. I mean, obviously, you had I think Philip Palander had it last season. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, the, the, most of Rangers' COVID issues were around the five players that went to the party. Uh, that, that was their their biggest COVID issue last. Totally. Otherwise, there wasn't really much in the way of of, uh, of problems for, for Rangers. So, you know, you could argue it's probably a bit overdue that, that Rangers are going to have to deal with it. And what a way to have to deal with it. You lose your manager, your captain, your, uh, your influential goalkeeper, uh, the backup influential goalkeeper as well, uh, and then one or two others. And, and obviously over in Armenia as well, on top of that, you had kind of one or two injuries. So um, Kent didn't travel and then was, was saved for the weekend. Um, Unfortunately, it's just something we're going to have to live with. Uh, it could well happen again uh, since he came back from Armenia. Obviously, Nathan Patterson was then deemed to have to isolate as well. Uh, certainly, that's what we've been told was the case uh, anyway. Um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days as to whether he's actually isolating. But, um, yeah, certainly it's something that, that has an effect. Um, and not just uh, in that situation we have it, coming into the start of the season when Morelos has to isolate at the hotel at Glasgow Airport and you see him doing laps of the car park. You know, <laughs> it, it, different things are happening that, that you know, 18 months ago, maybe not even 18 months ago, you would have thought were, were ludicrous situations, but that's just the way it is now. Um, I think the club have handled it about as well as they can. They've had plenty of time to get ready for this situation unfolding should unfold. Yeah. Uh, they've seen other clubs have to deal with it, and like anything else, they've probably learned on their feet as they've gone along from how other people have dealt with it, both well and badly. So, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, I think... You can look at it now, um, and obviously considering the old firm game going the way it went, um, Rangers have pretty much got away with it on this occasion. Um, I mean, it's not a thing where 
they've got away with it as in they shouldn't have you know it's just it's yeah, yeah. a situation where you know sometimes it really affects you and sometimes it doesn't and in this situation i think rangers haven't really suffered too much um it could have been a whole lot worse you could have been out of the europa league and uh, losing the, the game yesterday yeah. and then that makes international break a really really long long couple of weeks and on top of that as well you have two defeats in your first four league games and you're out of you're into the conference league, which yeah. um, I know people there was a little bit of apathy at first when Rangers dropped into the Europa League from the Champions League. Um, but I think that excitement has built back up again. I think if Rangers had then dropped into the conference league, I don't know if that excitement would have been quite the same. So, yeah. you know, in that regard, the COVID situation could certainly have been worse than it was. Uh, I think Rangers and Steven Gerrard, when he, he does come back into the training ground and is back in with his squad again, he'll be looking back at the last few days and thinking that's gone an awful lot better than it could have done. Andrew Anderson, so we we rock up to Ibrox yesterday <laughs> and, and we're, we're sitting in our cars or we're sitting in our pubs getting ready to, to make our way along to the to the ground and your phone goes and it, it shows you the team lineups and there's no Nathan Patterson and starting at right back is Leon Balogun and I put my hands up right now and say I was pretty gutted um, because I, <clears throat> from memory when he played right back a couple of times last season he'd done okay kind of tailed off a little bit and hasn't started the season particularly well in his native position at centre half um, he really shut me up yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> I think he shot everybody up. I don't think there was many people who were delighted to see him there. In fact, I think I texted you. I was on the train, actually, just about to pull into Partick to get to Subway when I seen the team. Um, I think I texted you saying this could be a long day. <laughs> <You> <laughs> this could be a long afternoon. Um, how wrong was that? How wrong yeah, was everybody? Um, it was immense. Absolutely immense. I'll be honest, I kind of bought in to what him and Roof have both said since the game about folk, about ramming down folk's throats or whatever it may have been what they said. Yeah. I kind of bought in um, after seeing the stats from Kyogo and what he could do. I thought this could be a long afternoon. And they shut me right up. It was fantastic blocking, that tackle in the box um, and then to break away out from it. Fantastic, utterly fantastic. The whole team were, were excellent yesterday but when it comes to an old firm team announcement and you see somebody who's the COVID situation, um, Andrew went over there. That, that was always going to happen. There was, was going to be wee things happening here and there. Um, but to see Balogun play it right back against Celtic in a game, as a must win. They're all must wins. And to go into the international break after the defeat is a long fortnight. So as a must win. But to see that and then to witness what he done was fantastic. Fantastic. Patrick, I think the... Balogun was excellent yesterday, as, as was Goldson, who needed a, a performance as well. I, I felt he led by example yesterday as captain. Um, Big Phil sort of continues to impress every time he plays. I, I hope it's the it's almost the last we've seen of this tinkering that we, we sometimes see where he, he drifts off to the bench and Balogun comes in and then he's back for the week after. I think it's important that we, we go with a bit of rigidity there. But I want to highlight on, on Borna Barisic at, at left-back. Um, a lot of murmurs over when he was when he was coming off. It could be his last game at the club. We, we don't know that um, for for now. He had a, a period in the second half where his his delivery after delivery was really really impressive. And if we do lose Borna Barisic um, on on Tuesday on on deadline day, he'll be a loss. He'll be very very hard to replace. Yeah, I think uh, the perfect example. I mean, Borna always does it, but. You saw in the second half, he made a concerted effort to rile up the crowd using his hands to get everyone loud, which is, I mean, if every fan should love that. And he's done it on many occasions, but it did coincide with an uptick in form. He, you could say he started a bit shaky, much like the whole team self were dominating, though he is a left back. The position has sort of evolved into which you're expected to go forward, especially we were playing what appeared to be a 4-3-1-2 with Kent Central as opposed to with him and Roof on the out wide. And with Balogun playing at right back, he was never going to go beyond and offer an overlapping run. So Barisic was effectively the main creative wide threat. So everything that was going to go into the box was going to go through him. So there was a lot of pressure on him and his delivery certainly improved in the second um, half. And um, I think he defended well. Uh, I think just looking at um, some of the Celtic people I follow, uh, Leila Bada came up for a lot of, perhaps not criticism, but he just did nothing. Not that he did anything poorly, but he didn't see the ball at all. Okay. And that was part maybe due to his lack of experience. He's quite young, but also because Barca did a really good job. He didn't even have to tackle him. I think he did a good job in marking him and hiring him out of the game so that Abada was rarely an option. And much like 
Balogun with um, Kyogo, which I was immensely, uh, very impressed with. When the um, lineup was released, the defensive thing was never a worry because Balogun is pure defensive ability is far better than Tamir Patson's. But it's again that would have this um, unsymmetrical attack in which it would owe it. Because if you think of the 4 3 3, we have two sort of wide 10s who are naturally quite narrow. But when you change it to two up top, we're going to have no width and all of it would have come from the fullbacks. But I think Balogun was fine in a. Um, when in possession, he played quite safe, which was all that was needed. And I think reassured, because if you were seeing him spraying balls, some people would um, get a bit scared. But I think he played his role really well and uh, epitomized everything that you wanted from him, a good old form performance. It wasn't the prettiest, but his tackling was great. And it was really, really good to see seven or eight just perfectly timed slide tackles. I think someone could clip and make a compilation to some sort of song and get thousands of likes on Twitter. It's funny you say that. The guy that sits in, in front of me at the game... Um, said it is, he can't remember a game when he's been at Ibrox where there's been so many, particularly an old firm game, where there's been so many players who have went to ground and, and came away with the ball. Um, Andrew Dixon, I thought Liam Balligan was really impressive yesterday. Um, as I say, left me with um, tons of egg in my face. Um, he, he was really, really good. It was, it was a great performance for him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was a bit concerned myself when I saw he was playing right back because um, I can't remember what the game as well last season. I think there was a game against Dundee United where he was at right back. Is that the one where he was, there was another one where just before that he'd been really good and then he played a second game? I, I actually, yeah, I thought I might be getting mixed up. I thought it was the United game where he played well and then the next game he played badly. But yeah. there, were, you know, there were two games where he was great in the first one and you thought, actually, this is quite decent. And then it wasn't in the next one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was a bit concerned about, about what we might see because you're right, he hasn't been, uh, as has been the case for most of the team, he hasn't been uh, quite what you'd, you'd want him to be so far this season. But yeah, he was terrific. Uh, really, really good. Um, committed. Um, and yeah, played a big part in what I heard earlier on today described as a, a makeshift defence, but it's not really that makeshift. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got your first choice central pair in it, and you've got your left back who found his form again a little bit in in the game at the weekend. So uh, Balogun is a Nigeria international at the end of the day. That's hardly a makeshift, uh, and he's an experienced guy as well who's played in Germany and England and what have you. Uh, sure, he's not the first choice, but um, he slotted into that defence very well. Uh, and I've got to say, Robbie McCrory, I, I touched on him earlier on against uh, Alan Kerr. Um, You know, I mean, it wasn't until a couple of minutes after the goal that he was called into action where he, he came off his line to uh, deny Kyogo and I thought he handled that well. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a really good save towards the end as well with his foot from Kyogo. Uh, but even prior to that, on the occasions where he wasn't necessarily called upon as such, but when he was involved in the game, you know, if it's a pass back and he's, he's launching upfield or whatever he's doing, he looked so composed and assured throughout. There wasn't a moment where I thought, he looks a bit out of place here. He looked yeah. very natural in that position and very natural in that team and very natural in that environment. And that bodes really, really well for the future. We might not see him again play this season, you know. I mean, it might be yeah. he plays uh, a Scottish Cup game away to East Fife or whatever, you know, and that might be it. That might be all for, for McClory in the first team this season. But I thought it was terrific. I think it's funny you say that, though, because I'm sure um, Gary Mack referenced that in his pre-match presser last week, didn't he? I mean, he spoke about how... Um, Robbie McCrory has really impressed since he rocked back um, at the start of the season, both mentally and physically. He's, he's well-tuned in. They certainly rate him highly in there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, Gary did say that uh, last week that they've noticed a real difference. He's, he's walking around with his head up a little bit more and integrating with, with people a bit more. And he's maybe not the, the shy kid. I mean, he's he's not a kid anymore, you know. No, he's been for uh, him and, and Ross, who's obviously moved on to, to Aberdeen. Uh, I mean, Ross was involved in the, the first team for uh, what, a couple of seasons, I think, before yeah. he... Uh, and, and that was obviously take into account the loan spells that he had as well, you know. So Robbie's been out to Morton and Queen of the South. I think there's one other as well. So uh, Livingston, obviously. Livingston, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, he has got plenty of experience under his belt now for his age. And, um, I, you know, I mean, it's difficult for him to get ahead. I mean, certainly ahead of Alan McGregor, I'm sure. Um, 
he will feel that he can give John McLaughlin a run for his money for maybe the backup um, option in, the, in that squad at the moment. But I certainly think longer term, and I've thought this for a while anyway, that, that Robbie will be the, the long-term number one. Uh, he's done his cause absolutely no harm whatsoever um, with a, a really big week because, uh, you know, two games where we needed results and against Alice Kerr and Celtic, he keeps clean sheets and, and does everything he needs to do. You know, he can't have done any more. Absolutely. Patrick, I'll come to you next. Um, Philip Hallander never, never um, fails to disappoint for me. I've said for, I think, the last couple of seasons how, how I personally think he's the best defender we've got. Um, and it was some header to, to really put the difference between ourselves and Celtic yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, I think if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be going away about either who they, who they have at the club that does their set-piece tactics or if they have one, fire them and if they don't, hire one because I think it must have been genuinely in the last seven old firms, I think it was four or five of our goals have come from either crosses, whether it be aerial or grounded or corners, which is just a seriously either negligible or just terrible rate. And they've replaced their defenders. Sarfell came in and was supposed to be a better aerial presence than I are. But I was very impressed. Holander's not the most elegant on the ball. But, I mean, what epitomised his addition and value to the team, I think, was when Golton uh, touched the ball on and then Kyogo, uh, no, Edward ran forward and then Holander was able to jockey him and get yeah. them win the ball. His positioning is fantastic. He's slow, but he doesn't really need to be fast. I mean, if he was fast, Given the attributes he has now, he wouldn't be playing at Rangers. He'd be at a far higher level. But yeah. I think when it comes to textbook defending, um, there's no better at the club. And I think in a game in which we had this weekend in which we do- didn't dominate possession, where we're not expecting our centre-backs to hold possession for upwards of 20% of the game, it was the perfect game for him and the game in which he showed all that he can do. Andrew Anderson, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you next. We, we speak with quite a bit of regularity on, on the podcast uh, about Stephen Davis. Um, and I actually didn't think Stephen Davis played particularly well in the first half. I, I didn't think any of our midfielders were that great in the first half because I felt Celtic kept the ball better than us, to be perfectly honest. Um, however, in the second half, and particularly I would say maybe the last 15 minutes or so, he was like something possessed. Um, he was absolutely everything to us in the last sort of 10 minutes of the game. Just held us together and kept us fluid and, and saw us through the final whistle, didn't he? Yes, he does, and that's um, not unlike him. He does it does it very regularly, as, yeah. as you know. First half, I did think he was a wee bit out of sorts. Yeah, but he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone in being out of sorts. Um, don't know if to put that down to nothing. Really, can't put that down to Celtic or just they held the ball better than us and they retained possession better than us in the first half. But the second half, as time wore on, I mean, you need people like Stephen Davis to do their job. He kept doing it. I mean, we all seen it in the was it the last five minutes? He intercepted the passing. He's bobbing forward like a 21-year-old. I know, <laughs> no. he could have thought of that on himself, but he passed it over to Sakala, who I thought was a wee bit, he should have maybe a shot a wee bit earlier, um, and to the keeper's far side. Um, but no, watching Steve Davis do that week in, week out, is just, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. And uh, he could definitely get better as the game went on. Andrew Dixon, we obviously know about the importance of having big senior players at the club. We're lucky that we do have Alan McGregor and, and Stephen Davis for a, a game of that magnitude yesterday. I don't think you can underestimate the... Um, the importance of Stephen Davis just holding everything together as we, we move into the, the sort of dying embers of the tie. Um, it was really good to see him just sort of maintain everything for us, I felt. Well, the thing is as well, you talk about big senior players. What they have done probably is, is really help a lot of other players in that squad become big senior players. But they're not really that senior in terms of age. I mean, obviously, Davis and McGregor are both in the twilight of their careers. Um, I mean, Alan is 40 in, in, in January. Uh, and Stephen, uh, obviously, is edging towards his late 30s now as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, after that, like Sierra Goldson's and, uh, I mean, Tav's what, around 29, 30 now, I think. So he's starting to get on a little bit. But he, I think he's kind of like the next one coming into his 30s. After that, you, as I say, Goldson, Hellander's about kind of late 20s as well. Um, there are a lot of players in there who are kind of old beyond their years, if that makes sense. You know, I mean, yeah. Kamara as well looked a bit more like himself uh, yesterday. I thought he was poor against Alishkert, uh, Kamara. Uh, but 
on uh, on occasions yesterday. I thought he did really well, and I thought in the second half Rangers really really stepped up their levels. So um, that that influence that, that Davis and, and McGregor have in that squad has really rubbed off on a lot of other players, and you saw a lot of uh, the, the players out there after the break taking responsibility and really driving the performance on. Um, one thing I would say as well, I mean. I saw, uh, I, I tend not to rise to, to this kind of thing too much, but I saw Chris Sutton uh, tweeting about... Who? Who? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, tweeting about possession. And uh, it, was, it was a bit of a dig at Rangers. It was like, oh yeah, they really rose to the, the occasion. 34% possession. Games are not won in possession. Well, I mean, we've all been around long enough to know that. Um, Celtic very famously had what, 19% or less than 19% possession against Barcelona? Was it maybe even 11% against Barcelona and one at Celtic yeah. Park years ago, yeah. right? So, I mean, at like 99 times out of 100, if you play that game, it's a Barcelona win. But on that one occasion, it was Celtic that won it. Rangers, with their possession yesterday, yeah, so they've had a third of the ball, but they played through the lines a lot better. They have been far more incisive. And Celtic, you know, you can knock the ball about at the back all you want. That's an area where Rangers are quite happy for Celtic to have the ball. They're not going to trouble them there. So possession means absolutely nothing. It's a bit, at the moment with COVID, it's a bit like saying, oh, there's 35,000 new infections. It's like, well, that doesn't really mean anything. How many people are hospitalised? Yeah. When you're talking about statistics, you need to talk about what are relevant statistics. Possession yesterday, that's not relevant. The only relevant statistics from the game yesterday are Rangers 1, Celtic 0. And for Rangers now, there is an opportunity for them to build on that because they'll have players coming back in. I think the international break, even with the victory, has come at a good time for them. I think they probably need a little bit of a breather because that first month of the season has been nine games and, you know, a tricky run of matches as well. Um, Celtic, if you listen to their supporters going into this game, great, so you've beaten St Mirren and Dundee Dundee 6-0. Fantastic, right? But we can all do that. We can all get results like that. And not just Rangers and Celtic. There's other teams in the league that can get results like that too. The games that are important are the Old Firm derbies, your games against your Dundee United away, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs. That's your big matches. And that's the ones where they have to, to do something. Now, Rangers, I believe, will go from strength to strength and will get better. Celtic fans, to an extent, have been talking as though they're the finished article already. I don't believe for one minute that they think that. I think they know fine well that there's still work there to be done. But I think they've got a bit ahead of themselves. And Celtic have still got an awful lot of work to do uh, too. They've got a lot of players to integrate into that squad. And they'll hit bumps in the road. And yeah. they've already hit bumps in the road. It's uh, Postacoglu's start is the worst by a Celtic manager, a new Celtic manager for 20 years in the league. Yeah. Um, two defeats in the first four, you know. So, um, you know, they are playing great football at times, Celtic, when they come forward. Of course they are. Uh, Kyogo Furuhashi has made a really good start. Abada's made an impression at times as well. Um, you know, they've got potential there. But um, our concern uh, on this podcast is, is Rangers. And I think Rangers have shown themselves that even in uh, a, a sticky spell where they've been quite leggy and they look a bit lethargic and they've not really looked fully fit, whereas in previous seasons, it's been quite the opposite. Like last season, they started extremely well and looked very, very well-tuned from the very start. Um, I think despite the difficulties that there have been for Rangers, you know, they've... They've got themselves in a decent position in the league. Nine points from four games. Not bad. They're into the Europa League. Uh, they've won the first Old Firm game of the season. And that's them playing badly or not playing as well. So yeah. there's a real platform to, to move forward from now. And you, you mentioned it earlier on about the tinkering. Um, this seems to be one of the, the things that Steven Gerrard does where at the start of the season he rotates certain players. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that that comes down to just... It might be something, and particularly with the Euros being on in the summer, it might be just different players being at different points. In, Freshness almost. Yeah, build, yeah, but building their fitness as well after the yeah. summer. And who's had a holiday later than another one? You know, like Borna Barisic's obviously been at the Euros, whereas Conor Goldson hasn't. So Goldson has had time off earlier on and so on and so forth. So I'd imagine that is part of the reasoning behind what's happened there. But I'd imagine also what you said earlier on, we're now at the point where that settles down and you and you see more of a settled lineup. And I think Rangers, probably based on the, the first few weeks of the season, will benefit from having a, a settled lineup. And you would like to think that with the consistent team selection will come more consistent results and performances as well. Andrew Anderson, we, we speak uh, 
a lot in the pod about the the um, the staunchness, for want of a better term or phrase, of, of our support. Um, the support yesterday were on another planet. Now, it makes a difference being in the ground with no Celtic support. I think everyone appreciates that. There's no two ways about it. But the noise within the place yesterday was as loud as I think I'd heard it in recent times. It, I We spoke off camera, and I, I know you remember the the, the night Nerlinger scored uh, against Stuttgart at Ibrox. Um, I remember the the Parma, the night we played Parma at Ibrox, when, when the atmosphere was just absolutely incredible but yesterday um it was a real i don't know how to, to it was a real sort of um it was a a proud noise type thing if that makes sense there was a real sort of passion about um what we were there for and, and what we were watching we were so proud of the team to to get the result in the end and um yeah the, the noise that would have taken the roof off if there was a roof over the top of the place yesterday I totally agree, Scott. The noise was was was, was fantastic. It all boils down to I think um, the first game back I went to was Livingston at home. There was only twenty three thousand of us there. The noise was excellent. They say there was only twenty three thousand. I think there was more. <laughs> um, I think there was might have been more. Um, the noise was excellent that day. And then of course comes the first old firm game since we were allowed back. So the, the stonchometer, if you like, you, if you <laughs> that goes up again because if you remember last year. Um, the four games we played Celtic, we played well, and particularly, I think I mentioned it to you before, the 4-1 game, uh, the last game of the season, yep. that could have been five or six, had there been 50,000 of us in there, I quite believe that, yeah. and the noise that would have been um, round when four scored, that game would have been comparable to yesterday, so yeah. I think that's partly to do with, it was the, the fact that a year of not being there, and we'll show you exactly how loud we can be, and of course, celebrating being champions as well, um, albeit there's no Celtic fans there, but they're all watching. Um, that's why there was TFOs, in, in, which was excellent as well to see. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't have the best angle of it where I was sitting yesterday, but I could still see it well enough. You know, it was it was excellent to see. Um, but no, the the, the sponsor definitely get raised a few levels yesterday. It's quite funny. Um, Andrew was saying a minute ago there about it's good to go into these breaks with after our old firm win. Of course, it is. I came home yesterday and. My wife had said to me, she said she's seen the league table. She says, there's two questions I've got to ask. She says, why are Hearts and Hibs at the top? Says, How have you only played four games? You've been at Ibrox about eight times. <laughs> because of the amount of football we've had to play between Europe and all the rest of it, you know, so yeah. I fully understand her question. But, um, you know, yesterday's noise was, was fantastic, Scott, it really was. Patrick, if, we, we saw I, Andrew. Scott, if you don't mind. I think the fans deserve quite a lot of credit because I, I wasn't at the game, obviously. I'm, I'm based down in London, but uh, I have uh, many friends who, who were at the game. Um, there has been a bit of focus on the, the incident that happened in, in Glasgow City Centre, uh, which I think was before the game uh, at, uh, at Jamaica Street. Um, and I can understand that. But if you look at the fans who were within the ground and the behaviour of, of supporters within the ground, um, I think and this comes partly from the club. The club has done a lot of work itself, but the fans have taken responsibility too with uh, coming up with new songs and the songbook has really cleaned up massively. Um, and I, you know, and even if you go back to five years ago, it's far better now than it was then. Um, I, I kind of had a, not a blow by blow account, but I, I had a run through of, of, of what happened yesterday through the game. And, um, overwhelmingly, the the majority of of noise that was coming from people was the right kind of noise, uh, if you if you want to call it that. Um, and I think the fans deserve um, an awful lot of credit. Rangers, you've seen Rangers with the updating of the club badge and the the the, the enhanced branding. Rangers are trying to move forward as a club, and you you, you see things like the the new LED boards around the stadium, which makes it look like a a more modern arena. Uh, to an extent as well. Um, they're trying to modernise in, in every way they possibly can. And the, the fans, I think, have taken responsibility for that as well in terms of trying to move with the times, accepting maybe what might have been deemed as okay in the past. I, I, I'm loath to use the word acceptable because I yeah, think yeah. some of the songs personally, and it is a personal view only, uh, I, I don't speak for anyone else, but personally, I, I think some songs haven't been acceptable in the past. Uh, others might disagree with that. But I think regardless, I think there's recognition from the supporters that there are certain songs that perhaps don't do the club any favours. 
and uh, don't help uh, with regards to where the club is trying to get to. Um, and some of the songs that, that are out there now are cracking songs as well, I've got to say, really enjoyable, make a good noise. And uh, and I think you really saw that yesterday at Ibrox as well with the supporters. Certainly, I mean, I only watched it on TV. I was uh, I was working on the on the game from from afar, uh, cutting highlights of it, and uh, the noise really came across, and it came across as a as a tremendous atmosphere. I'm really really glad that you brought that up because I think too many times we get kicked about the place for not behaving ourselves, that, that sounds rubbish because we're, we're football fans and we should be obviously doing that. But I think we do have the problem. We've seen it today on social media. Too many, and I'll say it so you don't have to take responsibility for it, MSPs are suddenly finding the volume for their hearing aids when their team get beat. And from a Rangers support perspective, it's completely unacceptable because what we seek is one thing, and it's parity. If we're going to get stick for singing certain songs, naughty songs with rubbish words, which we all, I think, um, abhor and we, we certainly don't support, that has to work the other way. And we've all seen it and we've all heard it. It has to work two ways and it has to be picked up in exactly the same manner it's picked up against ourselves as a support. Don't really want to say a huge deal about it. Um, my take on it, certainly. Patrick, big day tomorrow, um, transfer deadline day. Um, I'm sure you'll have many, many duels in European football that Rangers should be and perhaps maybe looking at. Um, I think I'll start with an easy one. Who can we not afford to lose tomorrow? Well, I think there's a pretty obvious hierarchy of uh, value to the club. And I think that's based on a few factors, importance to the tactical scheme, age, and the actual value you're going to get. The two names that seem to be banned around most are, are two fullbacks, Nathan Patterson and Borna Barisic. And I think I, I tweeted, I did a thread on when there was murmurs around the Barisic sort of emotions post-game, that if you were going to lose one of the quote-unquote big players, so you think like Goldson, Tav, Barisic, Kent, Morelos, Kamara, it'd probably be Barisic just because his age profile, he's turning 29 soon. Um, this is probably the last time which you could get like a considerable fee for him. And given the fact that Bassi has looked quite promising, if we were to lose Barisic, I would be far from comfortable with not bringing in another man. I would be more than happy to give Bassi a try. But I think with Aribo being our only sort of backup option, if he were yeah. to go down injury, I think we need to get someone. The Patterson thing is interesting. I, I know a lot of the people in the sport um, once the uh, local lad come to the academy um, play in the first team, but I think his path is naturally blocked by Tavernier. And also I think a lot of people somehow see if Patson goes for a decent fee as, a, as against the, all the work that the academy does, but I think it'd be a vindication of all that's good in the academy because an academy graduate plays 15 games that gets sold for double digit in the million pounds. That would probably um, pay for the academy's um, upkeep for a decade or two. It would be yeah. the dream in which perhaps you might not uh, win, win the league, play tons of years at Rangers, but it's that or you go into bigger and better things. Um, I know it might be hard to say as a Rangers fan that there are bigger and better things than playing at Ibrox, but to be realistic and to have an outward view, going to the Premier League, playing a probably a considerable amount of minutes if he does go, because um, I'm not un unsure of Everton's right back sort of depth, but I know Seamus Coleman and it must be close to calling his time. But um, yeah. I think in terms of who we can't lose, I would say Kamara is the one for me. Kamara, I don't think, uh, Morales and Kent, I, there's no murmurs, but I think there was some idea of Everton, Newcastle, West Ham looking around Kamara, and he's the one who have had, the individual who's had some sort of strenuous links throughout the last three months that we can't lose. I don't, I think he would be my last. Andrew Dixon, I'll come to you next. I think we spoke off camera and, and, you know, we're very aware, we're obviously recording this on Monday evening, so you're very aware that everything can change after we say something tonight. So anything that we say is just, just one of these things. I think we, we have the situation just now where um, we know that Nathan Patterson is is being studied and he's, he's being looked at. Um, I wonder if Rangers were to get an offer upwards of maybe 10, 12 million, would he disappear tomorrow, do you think? Um... I think so, yes. Um, I'm not entirely sure exactly what the club's financial position is at the moment, but I get the feeling with the amount of um, marketing of every product going that the club... And listen, 
marketing people. I, I worked at the club uh, for seven years in the, the media department and, and we worked very closely with the marketing department. Uh, the marketing department is there to help make the club money through um, marketing its products and of course. Uh, you know, uh, bringing in advertising and, and various other things. So um, I'm certainly not going to sit here and criticise people for doing their jobs properly. Um, but I think 40 minutes after the, the full-time whistle in the, the Old Firm game, there was an email in my inbox saying, celebrate the Old Firm game with some merchandise from the Rangers store. Now, <laughs> on one hand, that's good marketing. You know that, that you're capitalising on an opportunity, a positive result, feel-good uh, factor. Great. People are maybe more likely to part with their cash. But... The, the, the club has felt, and I'm not saying this with any knowledge, I, I must stress, uh, it has felt as though the club has really, really pushed everything an awful lot, which in the bigger picture says to me that there, there's a need to get money in from from somewhere. And obviously uh, certain people have stepped up over the course of time and offered loans and had money turned into shares <coughs> Of thing, um, but I, I do fear that there's probably still a need, particularly with not making the Champions League, uh, to, to, to sell somebody. And Nathan Patterson, the potential that is there, uh, with, with Patterson, um, is very, very clear. Um, similar situation to probably what Celtic had with Kieran Tierney, uh, who they sold for 25 million. And if he'd stayed for another season or two, they might have got more than that. Um, it's a similar situation probably for Rangers with Patterson. If he comes in and he plays regularly, then his value is only going to go up. But is he going to play regularly? At the moment, he's not because of Tavernier. Now, that's not a criticism at all of, of James Tavernier. Um, is there a way to fit both of them into the team where you play one further up? Potentially, but that changes everything about the way Rangers are set up at the moment. Yeah. So uh, you could almost take it with Patterson as though, well, you've not really got much to lose in the playing side because you've not really had him. He's only played 15 or 15, 20 games at, at yeah. most. So you don't really lose very much because he's not been around for very long. But if you get 10, 12 million pounds, then yeah, I, I, you know, it's going to be so difficult to turn that down. Uh, what Patrick was saying about Barisic as well, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're getting offered you know, similar sort of money for him as a guy who is uh, starting to sort of get beyond his um, traditional peak, if you like, sort of peak age. Yeah. Uh, that's another one. I, I agree entirely with the need to keep hold of Kamara. Rangers without Glenn Kamara, and particularly with the fact that Stephen Davis is potentially going to retire at the end of the season. Um, Rangers without Kamara as well that's an enormous hole to fill. And yeah, there are other midfielders there. Joe Aribo is going to keep prospering over the, the course of time. Uh, I expect him to push on again this season. Ryan Jack, if he can get himself fit and, and keep himself fit, then he'll be another asset for the team. Uh, young Stephen Kelly, it looks as though he's going to stay rather than, than go out on loan, uh, which I think is a reflection of the, the esteem that he's held in by the coaching staff. So there are other people there on top of Arfield as well. And uh, Bakuna's just come in too so you know there are lots of options but, but Kamara's a golden goose uh, if you lose Kamara you lose an awful lot from that team uh, Morelos I mean uh, he'll never leave we've been round and round this so many times <laughs> and yet he's still here and I've got to say I, I don't know any because we've been through the roller coaster so many times with him. I don't know what my opinion is anymore on whether it's. I, I kind of thought at the end of last season it'd be a good time for him to go, just in the sense that he would leave with a lot of goodwill. If he want and if he wanted to leave, that was the time to do it and yeah. get himself a move quickly. I actually thought Alfredo Morelos was Rangers best player in the second half of last season from the, the old firm game where he drew the foul from Beton onwards. I thought he was Rangers yeah. standout Agreed. performer, um, but. I also thought it was maybe a good time for him to go. Uh, now, well, you know, he's, he's scored another important goal against Alishkert, which ultimately has got us into the uh, into the, the group stage of the, the Europa League. Um, and even his performance at the weekend, actually, uh, you know, he didn't do an awful lot in front of goal, but I thought there were two or three occasions that spring to mind straight off the top of my head where he was very, very good at drawing fouls. He, he does so well getting his body in positions where somebody then gives him a little bump, down he goes, clever free kick to win. Um, and that kind of experience is uh, is pretty valuable in those occasions. So, you know, Morelos, it looks far more likely he's going to stay than uh, than, than leave in, in yeah. this window. I'd be hugely surprised if he was one of the ones to go. Uh, I'd be less surprised if 
Barisic, Patterson, um, possibly Ryan Kent left as well. Uh, I don't think they'll all leave, obviously, but I think they're the contenders that, that, that could go. But, you know, uh, the prospect of... They've already won the, the League Rangers. The prospect now for, for those players is to retain it in front of fans. They've not won a league in front of fans before, so that is still quite a big incentive, perhaps a bigger incentive than it would have been had last season been in front of fans. So yeah. uh, the chance to, to maybe go a bit further in the Europa League or to, to certainly to try to... Um, there are still big, big incentives there. So um, anybody who does leave, and if it turns out that the Barisic tears, which Gary McAllister told people after the game, it was because of a, a moment of realisation because he, he saw what he could do. You know, I'm inclined to take Gary at face value, but you know, yeah. part of me does does have a little bit of doubt about that. If it turns out that those tears were because he's he's off to Roma, you know, um, it's going to be with a heavy heart that he'll go. And I, th- I think a lot of the players would be the same if if they were to move on. I don't think anybody is willingly looking to leave Rangers. Um, the, the one maybe that, that, that does fall into that category has been Morelos, where on and off he's tried to get his move and it hasn't happened for whatever reason. So, But um, I, I certainly would put him in a minority. I don't think there are many others who would be looking to get out the door, uh, and especially off the back of an old firm win and, and all the potential that, that lies ahead over the next few months. Andrew Anderson, the guys sort of covered the bodies that we we think may or may not be on the radar of um, of other clubs and may indeed sort of leave the club. Is there any areas that you think we still need to strengthen for this season, do you think? All depends what happens tomorrow, in my opinion, Scott. Um, I would be more than happy to go as is at the moment. Yeah. I, really, I really would be, um, with what he's done so far. Obviously, it was Patrick that touched on it there, saying if, was to go tomorrow. You need some cover for Calvin Bassey. Um, that's a no-brainer. You can't rely on Aribo having to fall back in there should he get injured. Um, if Patterson goes, you, you've got a few options there. If Tavernier was to get injured in the future or another COVID situation, you, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. But no, as it stands at the moment, I would be quite happy to go as is. Quite happy to go as is at the moment. Ideal, ideal. Andrew, listen, um, I appreciate you coming on again. We'll get you on in, in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Andrew Anderson, sorry, I should say. <laughs> thanks, Colin. Thanks, mate. And, and Patrick, thanks again. Thanks again for joining us. Always good to have you on, my friend. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Andrew Dixon, always a pleasure, my friend. I, I'll certainly look forward to having you on again um, a couple of times, hopefully, between now and then the season. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. So I should say, if you are following us uh, on, on this Cybrox and across the social media, on your Instagram and your Twitter, um, we're everywhere just now. I should say, try and jump on our YouTube and follow us and like us and subscribe. Leave your comments to the pod, by all means, particularly for nice ones. We always like the nice ones. Um, and we will do it all again, I think, on Thursday, the guys are doing a sort of report card type thing. So Graham Falk will be joined by uh, another three guys from the This Ibrox stable and they'll cover the, the nine, ten games that we've played um, so far this season and just give us a wee rundown, down, a rundown rather, on, on how well we're doing, we think we're doing. Um, I will be back in a fortnight or so and we look forward to that. We, um, we'll look forward to, to the big sort of first Europa League game um, of the campaign, Leon Ibrox, which is something to be really excited about. So we look forward to that. Thanks very much. See you next time. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.